Thank you for tuning into Stepping Stones of Faith. Stepping Stones of Faith is a ministry of Claytonville United Brethren Church. Our service times are as follows. Sunday morning Sunday school starts at 9.30 a.m. Sunday morning worship starts at 10.30 a.m. If you would like to join us for any of these services, our address is 106 Elizabeth Street, Claytonville, Illinois, 60926. We hope to see you this morning. Today we are going to be in 2 Corinthians chapter 4. Last Sunday we did chapter 3. Chapter 4, probably the first section today, treasures in earthen vessels. When we're there, say amen. All right. First, or Second Corinthians chapter 4, starting in verse 1. Therefore, since we have this ministry, through the mercy we have received, we do not lose heart. But we have renounced the secret things of shame, not walking in craftiness, nor handling the word of God deceitfully, but by expressing the truth and commending ourselves to every man's conscience in the sight of God. But if our gospel is hidden, it is hidden to those who are lost. The God of this world has blinded the minds of those who do not believe, lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine on them. For we do not preach ourselves, but Christ Jesus the Lord, and ourselves are your, your, your servants for Jesus' sake. For God who commanded the light to shine out of darkness has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge and the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. But we have this treasure in earthen vessels, <clears throat> the excellency of the power being from God and not from ourselves. <clears throat> we are troubled on every side, yet not, dis not distressed. We are perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted, but not forsaken. Cast down, but not destroyed. And, all, and always carrying around in the body the death of our Lord Jesus. And also the life of Jesus might be expressed in our bodies. For we who live are always de de delivered to death for Jesus' sake. That also the life of Jesus might be manifested in our mortal flesh. So then, death works in us but life in you. We have the same spirit of faith as it is written, I believed and therefore I have spoken. So we also believe and therefore speak, knowing that he who raised the Lord Jesus will also raise us through Jesus and, with, and will pre present us with you. All these things are for your sakes, so that the abundant grace through the, through the thanksgiving of many might overflow to the glory of God. Now, treasures in earthen vessels. We are the earthen vessels. And this treasure we have is our relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. 
And we must guard that treasure. Ways we guard that treasure is spending time with God, spending time with Jesus Christ in his word and as well as in prayer. We must be a threefold person, and I've said this many times, we must be a person of the word, a person of prayer, and a person of repentance. We must be that kind of person to maintain and guard these earthen, this, this earthen tre treasure in our vessel. We have to guard this treasure. Verse 1, he says, Therefore, since we have this ministry through the mercy we have received, we do not lose heart. Now understand, Paul, in these two books, was dealing with things that they were doing wrong, that they were, they were, mis, um, they were doing false teachings, wrong teachings. And so in all of this, he does not lose heart. Why? Because of the treasure that he has in his earthen vessel. But we renounce the secret things of shame, not walking in craftiness, nor handling the word of God deceitfully, but by expressing the truth of, and commending ourselves to every man's conscience in the sight of God. Now, you have to wonder, one has to wonder what was going on in the Corinthian church. For him to say, we renounce the secret things of shame, not walking in craftiness nor handling the word of God deceitfully. We have to wonder why he said that. Was there teachings going around? Was there an attitude of deceit in the church? Was there an attitude of craftiness to say, what can I get out of this relationship with God? What can I get out of it if I say the right things? Can I get more financially stable? Can I get uh, whatever the case they might have had? Can I, what, what can I profit from this? Paul is dealing with that because there might have been something going on like that there. That's all up for speculation, we know. But it makes you wonder why he would include that sentence. Maybe he was dealing with people that didn't have trust in the church because of such things. But yet Paul put that sentence in there. We have renounced the secret things of shame. And that's different for everybody. What are we ashamed of? What causes shame to God? The secret things of shame i.e., or it's a couple examples, not walking in craftiness nor handling the word of God deceitfully. So there was a lot of things going on there by that sentence that Paul's dealing with. Paul is saying, I am honest. I am a man of God. I will not deceive you. I will not try to do this for my own financial gain or profit. He says, but by expressing the truth and commending ourselves to, to every man's conscience in the sight of God. In other words, he's accountable to God. Every minister, every believer is accountable to God. Our lives are accountable to God. Yes, we should be accountable. 
as our, with our church, we are accountable to the United Brethren in Christ denomination. We are accountable to that. I am accountable to our bishop. We're accountable, but ultimately we are accountable to God. We are accountable to God. And Paul is saying we are accountable to God. Everything we do, we do in the sight of God. In other words, nothing is hidden from God. You can't fool God. You can't pull the wool over God's eyes. Everything you do and say, God already knows. But if our gospel is hidden, it's hidden to those who are lost. The God of this world has blinded the minds of those who do not believe, lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine on them. The enemy loves to blind us. Can he blind Christians? Yeah. Can he blind those who are walking with God? Yeah, if we put ourselves there. Sure he can. Sure he can. That's why it's important to guard that treasure. Guard that treasure. Because if you don't guard it, it's going to get taken from you. It's going to get taken from you by the blinding of your eyes. And in the blinding of the eyes of a Christian is those that get caught up in just going through the motions of the daily life of a Christian. We must be intentional with our life as a Christian. We must be intentional with what we say and what we do and who we are in knowing that we are accountable to God and knowing that we have to answer for every word that comes out of our mouth. We have to answer for every action that we do. And if we were to die tomorrow unrepentant, we would not be with Christ in the last days. That's why it's important to be a person of repentance. We must put ourselves in the place of utter and total giving ourselves to God. He goes on. For we do not preach ourselves, but Christ, Jesus the Lord, and ourselves, your servants, for Jesus' sake. You can, you can find out about a ministry, about what they preach. If somebody preaches about themselves, and I've used myself as examples in here, but I've always tried to point us back to Jesus in those examples. But if you have someone who is preaching about themselves and doesn't even bring God into it, run, run. Because that's not what God would want us to do. God wants us to understand that he is the one who provides for us. He is the one who gives us this ability to do that which we do. Whether we think it's talent or whether we think it's worthy, God gives us the ability to do that which we do. A lot of us work jobs here. Brenda works in a factory. Wayne works in a factory. Ralph used to farm. Jim was in the military. 
Amy works at the, uh, in the courthouse. Do you think you just get those positions because of your fortitude, of your learned ability? Let's back that up. Where did you get that learned ability? Who gave it to you? Who gave it to you? I mean, let me let you in a little secret. It wasn't your own fortitude. It wasn't your own uh, desire to learn a craftiness. And that desire to learn did not just come from you. God gives you that. God gives you the ability. God gives you the, the desire to learn that you could hunt that stuff down and learn it. So it is not of ourselves, it is of God that we learn. God gives us these things. He blinds the people. God, the enemy blinds the people that don't know God. And the enemy blinds the people that are Christians that choose to seek God, to choose not to seek God. If we're a Christian and we're going through something, we say, well, I'm, I'm going to use God as a last example, a last resort. And sometimes we do that, don't we? God is our last resort. Well, guess what? We're blinded. God is the first thing we go to. God is the first thing. Whether it be something trivial or something serious, God is the first thing. If somebody in, our, in your family has a diagnosis or if you have a diagnosis that needs to be seeing, seeing a doctor, you need to be seeking God for healing and for also guidance on where to go. Which doctor? Which hospital? Which specialist? I'm not saying doctors aren't playing a role here. They do play a role. But we have to seek God for where to go and who to seek out. If we don't do that, we're blinded. We're leaning on our own understanding and the enemy has us where he wants us. Verse 7, he says, but we have this treasure in earthen vessels. The excellency of the power being from God and not from ourselves. That is the treasure the excellency of the power of being from God and not from ourselves. Everything that you do, Paul is saying everything that we do, all of the ministry we do, all the miracles that are happening in our ministry, all of that is not because we are so good. It is because God is so good. And all of the things that we do, all of our accomplishments that we have in our lives, and some of us do have accomplishments, accomplishments. Some of us have many, some of us don't have many, many, but we have them. It is not because of ourselves, it is because of God. Learning to work a new job is an accomplishment that is not from ourselves, that is from God. That learning process is from God. Doing things that we've never done before and becoming good at them through practice is not because we practice and it is of ourselves. It is because God gave us the fortitude to practice. 
You see, you can always bring it back to God. You can always bring it back to that desire that God has for us to be better today than we were yesterday. He says, we are troubled on every side, yet not distressed. We are perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted, but not forsaken. Cast down, but not destroyed. Let's look at that for a moment. Do you think this was a, a great time for Paul and Apollos and all that he traveled with? Do you think this was a great time for them? L listen to this. We were, we were troubled on every side. Troubled on every side. In today's vernacular, we were persecuted everywhere we went. Not just yet not distressed. Not distressed. It didn't get to them. They expected to be persecuted. They expected to have trouble on every side, but they were not distressed. We are perplexed, but not in despair. What does perplexed mean? Confused. They're troubled on every side. They're confused, but it's not getting to them to the point of giving up. How many times in our lives as Christians do we want to give up? We just want to give up. We don't understand why nobody's coming to the Lord. We don't understand why the church isn't growing. We don't understand why our, it seems that our effect is bad or we don't have any effect on anyone. So why do, so why do this? Why go through the bother? Why follow Jesus if we don't feel like Jesus hears us? Why walk with God when we feel like he's not walking with us? So we give up. Do we give up? I would hope and pray that you wouldn't give up. Paul didn't. Paul was stoned three times, shipwrecked, maligned on, on the Isle of Miletus, but he didn't give up. After being stoned once, I'd kind of consider maybe I shouldn't do what I'm doing. But not Paul. He was stoned three times, shipwrecked. I'd be like, well, I don't know, maybe God's trying to tell me something here. Maybe I'm not doing the right thing. Maybe I should, be, maybe I should go make tents for a living and pass out tracts and talk to people that buy tents or talk to people that, are, that, that, that I work with. Maybe I shouldn't be going everywhere all along the way. That'd be my thought, not Paul. Paul didn't let it get him down. He expected it. They're perplexed, but not in despair. They're not depressed about it. It's not getting them down. They're not able, they're not to the point where they can't function as believers because it, they expect those things. And we should expect that as well. If we are going to be believers in Christ and actually do the work of Christ, we should be expecting these kinds of things. Somebody that tells you that being a Christian is going to be easy is lying to you. Somebody that tells you that, oh, you want to, be, you want to go into ministry, oh, it's, it's glamorous, it's an easy, it's not glamorous. We have a pastor's wife sitting right there. She'd tell you, it's not a glamorous job. Amy can tell you it's not a glamorous job. It a, it's, can be a thankless job, to be honest. 
But we do it because it's a calling. We do it because it's something that God wants us to do. That's why. And yes, we expect those things. Therefore, we are not in despair. Paul was not in despair. Persecuted, but not forsaken. So all these things, and they list persecution. Persecuted, but not forsaken. In this time, he was the one killing people in the church, remember? He led those things. He led the persecutions prior to this, prior to coming to know the Lord. He was, he was visible. He was there at the stoning of Stephen. And yet, he came to know the Lord and he's persecuted, but not forsaken. He understands that through our hard times, through his hard times, Jesus Christ never leaves him, nor forsakes him. And we might be going through something today. We might be going through something in our lives, maybe in the recent past, maybe today right now. We might be going through something. Understand that Christ is walking with you alongside. He sees it. Nothing is it, nothing is surprising to him. Nothing catches him off guard. He walks with you in the midst of your troubles. He walks with you in the midst of your victories. And he is there. Forsaken or cast down but not destroyed. Cast down but not destroyed. I like that. Yeah, we feel cast down. When we, when we get when we get to the place where we're serving God and we're talking to people about the Lord and people say, get out of my face, I don't want to hear what you got to say, and they slam the door in your face, that's a, that's a way of being cast down. But you keep going and you're not destroyed. You keep going. Paul faced persecution. Paul faced all these things, but he was not destroyed. He was going to keep going and keep moving and keep working and keep doing these things. Verse 10, and always carrying around the body of body, uh, always carrying around in the body the death of the Lord Jesus Christ, that also the life of Jesus might be expressed in our bodies. So the experience of Christ should always be in our bodies and in our expressions and the way we do things. Yes, we understand that, that we feel, we feel that we need to be, uh, identifying with the death of Christ that the life of Christ might show through. Do you know that when Peter was crucified, he was crucified upside down. Do you know why? Because he didn't feel he was worthy enough to be, be honored with a crucifixion such as Jesus was. That's why Peter was crucified upside down. He didn't feel he was worthy enough to be honored with that crucifixion the same as the Lord's. That's honoring the death and resurrection of Christ, that the, that the life of Christ might be expressed in our bodies and in our, what we do, what we show forth. It is important. He says, For we who live are always delivered to death for Jesus' sake, that also the life of Jesus might be manifested in our mortal flesh. He's understanding and he's telling them, we are, we are not immune to death. 
When we do this, we are putting ourselves in, in the crosshairs of those who want to kill us. But we do it that the life of Christ might be manifested through us. We are not there yet in this country. We are not in the place of going to church and sharing the gospel puts us in the crosshairs of those who want to kill us. It may come to that in the future. We're not there yet. But when we get there, if we're still alive then, will we cower back? Will we step away? Will we step back? Or will we go forth in the hopes that Jesus Christ will be manifested through our teachings in our lives? That's what Paul said. That Jesus might be manifested in our mortal flesh. So then death works in us, but life in you. They are putting themselves in a place of being killed. So death works in them. So that life changing Jesus Christ can work in others. Bringing about the propitiation of the gospel and the propitiation of the body of Christ. Bringing about those things. We have the same spirit of faith as it is written, I believe and therefore I have spoken. So we, all, we also believe and therefore speak knowing that he who raised the Lord Jesus will also raise us through Jesus and will present us with you. We have to have that kind of faith. What God says, we believe it. What the Word of God says, we believe. There's no question. The only questions we should have is, is questions of what did this mean then? Help me understand what this was about then. Contextual questions, historical questions, things like that. We should never question the gospel. We should never question this faith that we have. We should never question our walk. Jesus said it. We should believe it. Jesus said in this life we'll have trouble and tribulation. That's what he said. But be of good cheer. I've overcome the world, right? So Jesus said, we will have trouble. We will have tribulation. It's not going to be easy being a Christian, being a minister, being an evangelist, being a missionary. It's not going to be easy, but yet in that, he is with us. He walks with us. And in our obedience, we then are following Christ. Do we believe Jesus? Do we believe his word? Do we believe this book? See, this is a life-giving book. This isn't just a book we read for knowledge. This is a book we read for life. The principles in this book are life principles. These are principles that you can hang your hat on for your whole life. These are principles, these are teachings that change lives. Not just for learning, but for changing your life, for changing the things that you view as wrong. 
that God can make better through this word. We have to be a person of the word. What does that mean? What does that mean, being a person of the word? A person of the word is a person who, when something is preached, they search it out. We need to be a Berean. You know what they did. The Bereans sought the scripture to see that was so what was being preached. They, they searched it out and studied it. We need to study this word of God. We need to study it. Charles Spurgeon said years when he was alive, there was a quote that I read I enjoy so much. He says, visit many good books, but live in the Bible. Visit many good books, but live in the Bible. And if you talk about living somewhere, we all have homes, right? We all live in homes. How do you feel when you're in your home? Do you feel comfortable? Do you feel content? Do you feel safe? Do you feel happy? You like being home? I do. So you live in the Bible because in the Bible you have those same feelings. If you live there, if you live there, now, I like to read other books, too. I like to read classic novels. I like to read John Steinbeck, and I like to read nonfiction and those kinds of things. Those are good books to read. Those are good books to visit. But my primary reading should be out of this book. My primary life should be out of this book. My life principles, my, my ways of thinking, my ways of doing should come from this book and this book alone. Nothing else. He says, all these things are for your sakes, so that the abundant grace through the thanksgiving of many, many might overflow to the glory of God. He is doing all of this not for himself, not for them to say, boy, look at Paul. He's endured all of these things. We can go through all of what he's endured, but, we, but bearing in mind, all of that he endured. I've endured all of this, so you better like me. You better think I'm good. You better think I'm great, because I've endured all of this. That is not what Paul is saying here. Paul is saying, I'm doing this all for your sake, that you might be better, that you might be growing in God, that you might be, have a new relationship with Christ that you might be able to share your faith effectively to other people and bring them into the cross. Not for me, for you. I'm doing this for you. See, that's important to understand. Why do we do what we do? Why do we do what we do? That's a question we got to examine. And we can, we're not going to go into it too much here today, but we should examine ourselves. Why do we do what we do? Do we do the things we do because we want to be up on the front, in the front stage of our lives and allow people to say, well, look how great they are. They're such a good Christian. That's good for people to say that, but we shouldn't be doing that for that particular sentiment. We should be doing it because others need to know Jesus. Do you know why we do a YouTube channel? Why we do Facebook? Not because I want to be YouTube famous. I could care less. But so that others would know Jesus. Other people. 
would know him. Through the ministry of our little body of believers. There's a lot of ministries out there. And one might say, well, how do you make yours stand out differently? I don't. I give it to God and God does with it what he will. And that's it. Yeah, I've got a marketing degree. I've got a management degree. I could, I could sell things. I could sell the gospel. I could advertise the death out of it. But that's not what we're here for. We're here to bring others to the Lord. We're here to bring others to Jesus, not to advertise ourselves. We're advertise Jesus. And we do that by our lives. We don't do that by social media fully. We don't do that by an, an advertising campaign fully. We are the advertising campaign. Our lives show forth Jesus. That's what he's saying here. This treasure we have in earthen vessels should be guarded, and when it is guarded, we can share it the way God wants us to share it. We don't want the enemy to steal it away and steal our joy and steal the things that God has given to us. We are to share it. And it's a treasure that will never go empty. It is a treasure that will never be used up. We're to share it. And it grows and it grows and it grows. Don't let the enemy steal it. Don't let the enemy blind your eyes so that you can't even see the forest for the trees. Because when we're blinded, we're afraid. When we're blinded, we're afraid. When we can't see, that's a very disorienting thing. So we go, we feel around for things so we can try to find out where we are. That's where the enemy wants us. With Jesus Christ, we have the light shining through us and we can see who we are and where we are and who's leading us and it should be Jesus, not the enemy. So it's very, very important to live in the Bible. It's very, very important to allow God to work in our lives, to allow Jesus to do that which he wants to do with us. Our will must succumb to his will not his will conforming to ours, but our will must conform to his. Living in the Bible is an expression of our will conforming to the will of the Lord and going and doing that which he wants us to do. It's important. Why? For the growing of the church. Not that necessarily this local body, but the body of Christ. The growing of the body of Christ should be our goal, should be our reason, should be our desire. And we have a mission field everywhere. I've got a mission field in Sheldon. Wayne and Sandy, or Wayne, Sandy, and Jim have a mission field here in Claytonville. You have a great mission field at Creekside. Great mission field at Creekside. Amy has a mission field at the county clerk's office. Brenda has a mission field at the factory. We all have mission fields. We just have to understand that that's what they are. 
that worker that, that that workmate that drives us crazy or that person that we that we know from our building or from our around our neighborhood drives us nuts well guess what maybe they need Jesus and maybe we're the only Jesus they'll ever see you understand how important it is there are people in this town this town that need to know Jesus. There are people in Sheldon that need to know Jesus. There are people in Cisna Park that need to know Jesus. There are people in this world that need to know Jesus. And so where is the church? Well, we meet every Sunday. Okay, you meet every Sunday. But what are you doing outside the four walls? Are we ministering? I went to this party last night. It was our class reunion, 30-year class reunion. You know what I talk to about with a lot of people? The Lord and what he's done in my life for the past 26 years. Talked about our little body of believers and how great we are. Invited some people to church today. Unfortunately, they didn't show up. But I talked about the Lord I talked about what he's done in our lives, what he's done in my life. That's what we're supposed to be doing. We go to the store, get to talking to somebody, tell them about the Lord, what he's done in your life. Tell them about what he's brought you through. Amen. The Lord is good. Amen. God is good. God ministers to us. And I want us to do that. I want us to think about the importance of knowing that Christ wants us to share our, his faith, our faith with others. Amen. We need to live in the Bible. We need to walk with God. We need to do all those things. Amen? Let's go before the Lord. Father, we thank you today for your grace and your mercy. Thank you for your peace and your joy. Lord, I ask that you touch us and bless us by your spirit. Minister to us. Give us strength. Uplift us. And Lord, help us to Live in you, live in the Bible. Help us, Father, to touch those in our lives with the gospel. Help us not to search, search and draw back from it, but to walk into it and lean into it. And Lord, that the gospel would be proclaimed and the gospel would grow. And Lord, we thank you for that. We give you praise in Jesus' name. Amen. So your challenge for this week is to live in the Bible. Live in the Bible. Find some way to live in it. Find some way to study it. Find some way. Find, if, if, if you do it already, then fine. Continue to do that. But if you have problems with that, figure out a way to live in the Bible. Figure out a way to get in with God's word and, and shut yourself in there and allow God to minister to you. Amen. So that's our goal for this week.
Thank you for listening to Stepping Stones of Faith. I pray that you find value in this content. You can also find an audio podcast of this program on all the major podcasting platforms. Just type Stepping Stones of Faith into the podcast search bar. Once again, I'm Pastor Josh. Thank you for joining me today.